Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. October isn't quite over yet, people. We still got basketball, baseball, football, hockey, college sports all going on at the same time, and the only way to keep up with all of your favorite sports and Vegas casino games is with betonline.ag. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network Except it isn't live, because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 26th. According to my count, may not be that according to your count. We just wrapped up a truly terrible slate of NFL football, of which you can hear us laugh at over on the Memes of the Weekend pod, with another truly terrible Saints and Seahawks game. Like, if you're the Seahawks, you already know that your season's kind of done. The Russell Wilson injury derails it. Cardinals are really good. Rams are really good. It's just bad injury luck that's going to derail your season. If you're the Saints, you still have a chance of sneaking into the playoffs, and you cannot feel good about your situation right now if you're the Saints. It just, it can't feel good to be the Saints. You're just running Alvin Kamara 40 times just to make sure the Seahawks can't get the ball. It, it, it's just can't, you can't be feeling great about yourselves if you're the Saints. I guess we'll have to see what Morgan from Australia feels if she's going to be the perpetual optimist or the person who wants to piss on everything here but anyways enough of Monday Night Football that's just on my mind because I just finished watching the game what I want to talk about here today is the Chicago Bears and we in the past have dumped on the Chicago Bears quite noticeably not just here on the podcast but on comical sports memes the Chicago Bears are not a well-run NFL franchise. They are not a good team this year, but more specific, we talked about that over on Stripe Hype Friday last week, but more specifically, the Chicago Bears have been a poorly run franchise for a long time. And this kind of happens when you have second, third, and fourth generation owners in a lot of these cases, is that there isn't an incentive to change the way the business model is run. It's not always the case, but... When things go bad, they tend to go bad for a long time because everyone else is playing by a different set of rules with less meddling owners and better football people, etc., etc. Like, sometimes this happens, and this is what we call kind of perpetual mediocrity, and a lot of the perpetually mediocre franchises happen to be the people with similar type owners. We talk about the Raiders and their perpetual mediocrity around Mark Davis, 
the Lions, in now their fourth generation of Fords running the Detroit Lions at this point, they've been perpetually mediocre. The Giants with the Maras across the last decade. The uh, Denver Broncos, they've been perpetually mediocre for a while now. Even despite the fact they had a great four-year run of success, this is a more recent perpetual mediocrity shift. The Buffalo Bills were perpetually mediocre for a decade, and then they sold the team and immediately turned around. I'm not going to say that there's a direct correlation there, but the Buffalo Bills went 17 years without making the playoffs. As soon as the team gets sold, all of a sudden they have a dynastic run in the AFC. Whether that has to do with the fact that the person who owns the team is more invested in hockey then the football team and lets the football personnel people make their own decisions. Who knows? But there is some kind of strange cause correlation within that. Uh, New York Jets, Woody Johnson, he's now been 20 years of perpetual mediocrity, even if he's one of these people similar to Dan Snyder or to Tepas with the Carolina Panthers who buy the team and then end up running it down a little bit. Steven Ross the same way with the Miami Dolphins where they're first generation of meddlesome owners that may one day pass it down, but that's more of a different group of perpetually mediocre teams because you can change the front office, you can change the coach, you can change the players, but for decades on end, the thing that usually stays apparent, that stays equal is always the person in charge at the top and the person writing the checks. And so when you have perpetually mediocre franchises across generations of coaches, players, GMs, really just people in the NFL. When when it's perpetual mediocrity across 10, 15, 20 years, that's when you start to point to the ownership trends. And the Bears are no exception to this. They've been run poorly by the Hallis McCaskey family for a while. Bears fans complain about this quite often. There's also the concern about the stadium that's moving where they're about to suburbanize the Chicago Bears. And there's a lot of concerns about the franchise as a whole and whether or not the the purest intentions of the football team are on the front of the mind of a billion dollar corporation. But the Bears fall under this group. And when you have fan bases who are irrationally excited, that's when all of a sudden it starts to be funny. Because then you can laugh at their pain. When they set the expectations high and they think they're going to be better than they are, that's when you can kind of make jokes and generally be right. And if you want to be right when you're starting beef with someone, that's the best way to go about it. Am I wrong about the Kansas City Chiefs right now? Absolutely. But I'm not wrong about the Bears. I'm not wrong about the Uh, Denver Broncos, not wrong about the New York Giants, not wrong about the Carolina Panthers. No, no, no. Those teams continue to be perpetually mediocre. The thing with the Panthers, though, is that they don't have irrationally excited fan bases. Broncos, irrationally excited fan bases because they won a Super Bowl seven years ago, and apparently that buys you a decade of mediocrity. Same thing with the Giants. Apparently winning a Super Bowl buys the ownership group a decade of perpetual mediocrity. Giants are starting to wear their welcome there, but even still, they'll still talk about the championship in warm regards. Like, this is a sign that good things can happen in New York, which of course is true. It can happen to any of these franchises. It's happening to the Browns right now after Jimmy Haslam was one of these meddlesome owners who couldn't break the Browns' curse, and then he saw what happened with the Columbus crew, potentially won a championship in his second year, didn't really pay much attention, let personnel build roster moves and now he's done similar type thing with the Browns obviously it's been for minimal success but still more success 
than the Browns have had across two decades of perpetual mediocrity. And so these trends can be broken. The histories can be broken. It just requires a level of self-evaluation and change at the top that maybe people with billions and billions of dollars don't have the perspective to do. Entirely possible. Robert Kraft is an example of someone who pivoted the other way, but he was a meddlesome owner originally, saw the lack of success, saw him drive Bill Parcells away, and then kind of pivoted a little bit to letting personnel make those decisions. Obviously, having a Hall of Fame coach helps, but he totally could have driven that Hall of Fame coach away. Dan Snyder did it in Washington with Mike Shanahan. Like, a meddlesome owner can drive Hall of Fame coaches out the door. Art Modell did it with uh, Bill Belichick back in the 90s, obviously before Bill Belichick was a Hall of Fame coach, but meddlesome owners can still drive great coaches away. It's why we talk all the time about people who leave these terrible franchises and go on to have great success. But bringing this back to the Bears, a lot of this is just an explanation for the Chicago Bears' perpetually mediocre run and how we make fun of the Bears a lot. But what I want to embark on today is rebuilding the Chicago Bears. That's what I would like to do here today. Because the Chicago Bears, your season is over even if you can still technically make the playoffs at this point. Bears right now, I believe, are sitting at 3-4, and four, but they just got absolutely bum-rushed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so this one feels like it's all but done for Chicago, even though, you know, they play the 49ers this week and then the Steelers, which is a winnable game, and one more against the Lions. But this one feels all but done for Chicago at this point. And I don't know what the plan is for the Chicago Bears. Every decision the Bears have made across the last, I would say, 12 months has absolutely confounded me because it doesn't make sense. Like, the decisions the Bears have made does not make a lot of sense. We can go all the way back to the decision to put Trubisky back in the game, or back in for them, because the difference between Trubisky and Foles was negligible. But Trubisky ends up going back in for Chicago, getting injured, helping them get to a meaningless playoff spot because... They had a magical six-minute comeback against the Falcons, and DeAndre Swift dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone, and Kyler Murray injured his shoulder. It's the only reason the Bears made the playoffs. They got immediately bounced out because they were like a 5-11 team playing against a 12-4 Saints team. And so the Bears end up going out of that season, and I would have said you still fire Matt Nagy, and you still fire Ryan Pace at the end of that season because, yes, Ryan Pace built up a pretty good defense, but other than trading for Khalil Mack, which we'll talk about more coming up later on, and drafting Eddie Jackson and drafting inherit I'm sorry, inheriting Akeem Hicks and inheriting Roquan Smith, there hasn't been very much positivity around the Chicago Bears. And you can point to obviously the Trubisky one being the big picture flop for the Chicago Bears. And David Montgomery's very good as well, I should say. But the big picture flops for the Chicago Bears have been kind of what defines the team and keeps them just in the mediocre range, even though this was a team that had a division title in the NFC North. This was a team that won 12 games in the first year with Nagy and then since then has gone 7-9 and nine 
eight and eight with a team that should have been five and eleven, and this year is on their way to being five and eleven. And if we had on paper a team that was seven and nine, five and eleven, and five and eleven, we would fire the coach after three seasons. And Bears fans have already called for Nagy's job. I would have fired Nagy at the end of last year because I had seen enough to know that this is just a situation that's not going to work out. And I would have probably fired Ryan Pace as well. So the experiment I like to do here is, what if I got to be the GM of the Chicago Bears? What if I inherited that tire fire and had to build a plan for how to build up the Chicago Bears? Would we tear it all the way down? Would we try and double down on draft picks? Would we kind of tread in the middle and just wait and see what happens with Justin Fields? It's really hard, I will say right off the bat. Bears fans, your team did not leave me in a good situation because I just, there's so little to work with at this point. And so, and the Justin Fields thing just throws everything into a loop at this point. So I'm just going to try and work through the process while talking with you guys about what I would do if I was in the chair making decisions for the Chicago Bears. And so say Ryan Pace gets fired tomorrow. You could fire Matt Nagy tomorrow, but I'll take the GM job and fire Matt Nagy myself if Matt Nagy gets to remain employed. Because first of all, I'm picking my coach, and I am definitely not picking Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor. So from that point, first and foremost, you're already starting from a position of we are ready to clear house at the top of the organization. And sometimes that means kicking off a rebuild. If we go back to the last season's hiring cycle, you have the teams that fired coaches being the Atlanta Falcons, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Jets, the uh, Houston Texans, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I might be missing one in there, but, uh, oh, the Chargers. So outside of the Chargers, five of those teams had top six picks in the draft. So you could argue that there is a turning point here where the Chicago Bears are going to pivot and start the rebuild now. And this is kind of a strategic thing, too, because the trade deadline is a week away from today, and the Chicago Bears can absolutely be strong sellers now that the Philadelphia Eagles lost Miles Sanders for the season and lost Derek Barnett, who were two pieces who were about to be free agents. Uh, Now the Bears can be major sellers at the trade deadline, but... This is another difficult part because the Chicago Bears don't have their draft pick. So the only reason you would trade people within the next week is one, they'll be a free agent at the end of the season, or two, their value is going to significantly decrease once we get to the off season. That's the only reason you would trade people right now, is that if their value is held at the highest right now, or they're going to be a free agent in the off season. And so from there, I started kind of looking through the Bears roster a bit to see, okay, short term, we've just fired Matt Nagy, we've just fired Bill Lazor, I would assume Chuck Pagano is the defensive coordinator, but I don't think he is the DC anymore for the Bears, Uh, it would be Sean Desai, Sean Desai will be the interim head coach for the Chicago Bears, Um, because why not, 37 years old, might as well just evaluate your options there. Um, anyways, so now I'm looking around the roster, and the first person who pops off the screen is Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson is someone they should trade right now. I know his value is low, but you already messed up not trading him in the offseason. You messed up giving him the franchise tag when he didn't want to be there in the first place. You're now messing with his money. And Allen Robinson is someone to you just cut your losses. It's already a sunken cost. 
it's a product of Pace and Nagy not doing right by him. Uh, so you're going to trade Allen Robinson right now. And these trades are courtesy of Comical Sports Memes, and we crowdsourced these a little bit to see whether these would be fair offers or not. Uh, it's the best we could do. I don't know if the fans are a perfect evaluation of value in the NFL, especially up at the trade deadline, but the offer we got here for Allen Robinson was a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a sixth-round pick in exchange for him. Uh, it was originally a seventh. I moved it up to a sixth because people said the Bears win this trade. Uh, they're trading, in this case, with the Washington racial slurs, uh, so that would be a pick probably in the upper echelon of second-round picks. I don't think we could get a first-round pick for Allen Robinson, and I assume this would come with him negotiating a contract extension with Washington, but we'll say we get a first-round talent at second-round values in exchange for Allen Robinson, which already right now is now our highest draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft because, again, the Chicago Bears traded their first-round pick to go get Justin Fields. So they traded two first-round picks for Khalil Mack. They've traded two first-round picks now for Justin Fields across the last few years. Maybe it starts to show a little bit. I mean, they drafted pretty well in the interims with the lower-level picks. One of those pieces that they got actually was Cole Komet. And Cole Komet is just like, can you get anything for him at this point? So Cole Komet, I threw out a fourth-round pick, sent him to the Saints. Like, that was just a throw one out there just to throw it out. But anyways, we'll say fourth-round pick for Cole Komet. He's got a little bit of time left on his contract. Just make the move, see how it turns out, walk away from there. Um, so, yeah, trade Cole Komet. Uh, you get a nice little later-round pick. I uh, saw Joe Flacco got traded to the Jets for a sixth-round pick, or swap of sixth and fifth-round picks. So Andy Dalton might get you something, but I don't think anyone's giving up like more than like a conditional seventh for Andy Dalton. But if anyone's going to take anything for Andy Dalton, you trade Andy Dalton at this point. Um, I don't know exactly what anyone would give up for eight weeks of Andy Dalton, but you can at least try and see what's there. I didn't do a trade for Dalton because I don't think you can really get anything for him, but maybe you get a pick swap. Maybe you move up in the seventh round or something like that to get a higher pick for Andy Dalton. Anyways, so Cole Komet, you pick up a fourth, you pick up a second, a third, and a sixth for Allen Robinson, and this is kind of a problem now because of Justin Fields losing two of his biggest weapons, which we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, if Jimmy Graham holds any value, then sure, I guess you could trade him, but just leave Jimmy Graham there. Just let him be in Chicago for a little bit. Um, anyways, so those are the two moves I could figure out before the deadline, just as like Cole Komet's value is pretty high. It seems like the tight end market is moving pretty quickly with obviously Zach Ertz. Maybe teams need a backup tight end or a Gasecki or someone like that. So trade Cole Komet. He was obviously a second-round pick. You only get a fourth-round pick in return for him, but you make the move anyways. So you go through the rest of this season, win some, lose some, whatever it might be. I guess at this point, you're just tanking for a higher second-round pick, which is not a great way to navigate your roster construction at this point, but you just do your best with what you're given, whether that's Khalil Herbert or whether that's uh, Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver one, like you just kind of get what you get at this point. And the, the goal should be to accumulate draft picks, 
Uh, we went through that, and then you just kind of got to ride out the rest of this season and hope for the best with Justin Fields no longer in a Matt Nagy offense. So we take that, and then let's move over to the offseason because this is where the, the brunt work is going to come into play for the Chicago Bears rebuild. So I'm looking around at the head coach role for the Chicago Bears, and it's not the most desirable job in the world, and I don't know whether I'd want to prioritize coaching or not, because all of this comes down to the Justin Fields question, which we will get to in a little bit. But if I'm picking someone to bring in, I'm just going to choose Todd Bowles as a transition type of coach. And maybe like Lovey Smith will come back to be the defensive coordinator or something like that. But I'll take Todd Bowles and maybe try and look around at the offense. Maybe try and hire that quarterback's coach for the Kansas City Chiefs and see what I can do with my head coaching job and maybe building an offense around Justin Fields. Because this is a whole nother question with Fields that, like I mentioned, we'll get to it at some point here. But for now, I'll say I'll hire Todd Bowles. We'll figure out the coordinator thing and let Bowles do his job, but the coordinator's not super important here. I don't want to get bogged down in like, do we build an offensive mind for Justin Fields? What's the right offense for Justin Fields? We'll come around to that a little bit later, but now we move to the personnel decisions here, and the first and foremost thing, we're trading Khalil Mack. We are trading Khalil Mack. This is value at its highest. Uh, We were going to make this move, and On Comical Sports, I threw out a trade with the Chargers that starts with a first-round pick, builds up a little bit more to a second-round pick in 2023, and a fourth-round pick in 2024 for Khalil Mack. And that one went in favor of the Chargers a bit, so to kind of balance this one out, let's throw another player in the mix here from the Chargers depth chart. And this is just more so because I can at this point. Again, I don't know whether this accurately reflects true value is fan gauging on this and most people picked pretty close to one another I think it's just a matter of do you think the Bears should tear it down or do you think the Bears should keep the team the way it is at this point so looking around the rest of the team uh do you like one of these guys like Fackrell who was drafted this year Do we want to go, or I'm sorry, not this year. He was a little while ago. But do you want a skill position player? Do you want a rookie? What's the game plan if you're looking around here? So I'm looking through the Chargers roster here, and I am going to take Devon Campbell as my pick. He's a corner. He was drafted in 2020. He's a backup right now to Chris Harris. Asante Samuel is going to slide in there at some point. We'll build the cornerback room out a little bit with a guy who's had some sort of NFL experience at this point. So we'll start there, and we'll build the rest out from there. So we'll take a first, a second, and a fourth if in exchange for Khalil Mack, which is slightly less than we bought him for, and according to the people here, maybe he could go for two first-round picks still. I don't think that's the case at all, but we'll still hold out hope a little bit if you're in that position maybe we also take an edge rusher for them like uh i don't know christian covington he's an older guy but i'll say for now we'll take the corner and we'll walk away from that so first and foremost move we're going to trade khalil mack there so next up david montgomery and only because david montgomery is a free agent at the end of the season not because david montgomery is a bad player david montgomery is a really good player he's just going to be a free agent coming up so 
Uh, I don't want to extend the running back position at this point. I'll do the interchangeable running back thing or wait to try and find another one because I don't know if David Montgomery, who's already battling injuries, is going to age well. And reminder, when we did the Panthers rebuild, I traded Christian McCaffrey for two first round picks. So I think this is a value type play here. So I went to a team that was looking for running backs, but has a high first round pick or high. Yeah. Bad record this year so that we could get a good second round pick instead of trying to fight for a first round pick from like Buffalo or something. So I went to the jets and, uh, I offered the jets second round pick and the Panthers fourth rounder that they got in the Sam Darnold trade. And people said the Jets win that trade, which I was a little surprised by because I don't feel like David Montgomery is worth a first round pick. But anyways, they get a second rounder and the Panthers fourth in exchange for David Montgomery. I could technically steal a little bit more according to what the people said, but I'm just going to do that trade as is because they say the Bears lose. So most of these trades, the Bears lose too. We're just going to hold out hope that something works in their favor. So Mac out of there, David Montgomery out of there. Uh, next up on our board, we have Roquan Smith. And I tried to crowdsource this one to see, could you get a first round pick for Roquan Smith? Because he's a really good edge rusher. He's in his mid-20s now. He's already been extended. Could you get a first round pick for Roquan Smith? So I picked a team that's kind of like middle tier first round pick and that ends up being the Tennessee Titans and similarly to the Montgomery trade people said that the Titans win this trade by a pretty good margin so it was 67 percent on the board I could make another trade here but I wasn't sure what Roquan Smith's value was in the first place so if we're going to do do a deal with the Titans who else could we swipe from the Titans roster uh Who's a good one to throw out here? Uh, should we go to the defense again? Should we focus on the defense? Should we help out our buddy? Uh, we Should we help out our man, Justin Fields? Or should we just get an extra pick? You know what? Let's take the fourth round pick here to kind of balance this one out. So Roquan gets traded for a first and a fourth round pick. We'll send him to the Titans. This one stinks because you lose both of your edge rushers, and you're probably going to have to invest in edge rusher again some point in the draft. Maybe you send him to the Colts and you like get Quiddy Pay or something like that, who obviously has been down a bit this year, but maybe you hold out hope for like an upgrade in that situation. But even still, let's say the Titans, and then we'll defer the picks until later on in the draft. So we move Roquan Smith as well, only because I was stunned that he could get a first-round pick. Like if the people, I don't know if like the people are the best evaluator, but if we can get a first round pick for Roquan Smith, I'll be happy. If you can get more than a first round pick for Roquan Smith, I feel like that's awesome value. So this is slowly devolving into a major rebuild, which was not necessarily my intention at the beginning. But now that we're this far in, uh, what do we do with Akeem Hicks? Could we get a second round pick for him? I think absolutely, even in his older age slash injuries. I think you could get a second round pick for Akeem Hicks. Let's send him to the Bengals, for example, here. So we'll do that one. It was the same thing as Cole Komet, but I'm just not going to mess with that trade. So we'll say second rounder and a third rounder for Akeem Hicks. That was what people said on the board here. So we'll take a second and a third to dump Akeem Hicks. And finally, we have Eddie Jackson which was basically just, can I get a second round pick for Eddie Jackson, whose contract, by the way, has an out with some dead cap in it, but still Eddie Jackson's been a solid enough player. 
His contract is a little bit overpriced right now, but still, I think we could move Eddie Jackson and absorb the dead cap because at this point, we're pretty much just tanking it all the way together. So let's say second rounder, uh, I threw that one out there with the the, uh, Dallas Cowboys, which is a lower second round pick. So maybe you throw in like a sixth rounder also because it's slightly more than the Cole Komet trade. So I will say that we'll take a, a sixth rounder there. So those are the trades that I have. It ends up being seven in total that ends up stripping the roster pretty bare for the Chicago Bears. See what I did there? Ha ha ha. And here's what we end up walking away with after everything we did, going all the way back to Allen Robinson and uh, Cole Komet over to Khalil Mack, David Montgomery, Roquan Smith, once we really started rolling, and then Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson. Once we traded all those guys, here's what we walk away with. A Chargers first-round pick, Titans first-round pick, Jets second-round pick, Washington second-round pick, Cincy second-round pick, Dallas second-rounder, Chargers 2023 second-rounder, Bengals third, Washington 2023 third, Titans 2023 fourth, Saints fourth, Panthers fourth, Chargers fourth, Cowboys sixth, Washington sixth-round pick. So if you take away their first round pick from this year's draft, and in that Justin Fields trade, they also traded their fourth, but they also got back a fifth round pick in exchange for uh, in exchange for Anthony Miller, which they then traded for a seventh rounder, all the way anyways. The Bears would walk away with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16 picks in this year's draft if they gutted the roster, which is an unheard of situation. I think only a few teams have ever had 13 or 14 picks in the draft, which leads me to think that maybe we overhyped this one a little bit. But even still, the the sheer amount of picks you could walk away with if you gutted the roster in this year's draft, then you'd walk away with another 10 in next year's draft. And we also front-loaded these a little bit, so maybe like a sixth rounder defers to 2020 four or 2023 instead of 2022 but still the the idea that this would be as front-loaded as it is is a remarkable teardown for the Bears so now you have tons of draft picks you don't have your own unfortunately but you have tons of draft picks available setting you up for 2023 in which you're probably going to have another high draft pick this looks to be a two-year long rebuild which then finally brings us to the full question of Justin Fields, which is what do you want to do with Justin Fields going forward? Because I would not have put it in their plans to draft Justin Fields in the first place. If Justin Fields is going to be a fantastic quarterback, then obviously he's someone you have to hang on to. And do y'all believe Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback if you give him time? Because I haven't seen a representative sample that says, okay, Justin Fields is going to be awesome. And I'm not saying the Bears should give up on him immediately. But also, this is the situation where the Bears are setting him up to fail. And I'm setting up Justin Fields to fail. Which again, I was super high on Justin Fields coming out of the draft. I think he's the second most talented prospect coming out of that class. But at the same time, I acknowledge fit can derail a player's career. And Justin Fields feels like his career is being a little bit derailed right now. But it's a super small sample size. 
The problem is not with Justin Fields, it's just with where the Bears are as a franchise. It was so strange that the Bears drafted Justin Fields. Yes, he was available, and yes, that position is super important, but it went against the antithesis of everything Chicago had been doing for the past couple years. Your team was not exactly a quarterback away. And so this signals usually a rebuild type situation that's going to take a couple of years for everything to start going your way, especially when your team is on the decline from a division title from a couple of years ago. And so I just throw this question out right now to everyone, and I purposely left it out of this little experiment that we did. Do you think Justin Fields is worth a first round pick? Right now. If you traded Justin Fields right now, would Justin Fields get a first round pick? Because if Justin Fields is not going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, if he's not going to be Justin Herbert, if he doesn't transcend the failure of the Chicago Bears organization, both in building him up for success, as well as the fact that the Chicago Bears are just a terrible organization in general, if he can't transcend that organization, would you trade a first round pick right now? If you're, say, the Pittsburgh Steelers, would you trade a first round pick right now for Justin Fields? Because if you would, and you're the Chicago Bears, do you accept that Justin Fields could be a sunken cost? And it's not; it has nothing to do with what he's done through seven games so far. Now, the seven games have not been very good, or four games, or whatever Justin Fields has had. But the Dolphins are getting ready to trade Tua after 13 games of unremarkable football. And maybe Justin Fields has something in the tank that proves us wrong otherwise, but we haven't seen it early on so far. And so this is the difficult situation that the Bears find themselves in is if you prolong this, if you set him up for failure and you drag this out for two more seasons, so you tear everything down this year and then next year you're going to suck. And so Fields is going into year three with a chance to finally have a real chance at development with talented players and 27 rookies and whatever else you may end up doing. Is that when you say, okay, we're going to give him a crack? Or do you look around and say, we can find replaceable quarterbacks anywhere, and if his value is worth a first-round pick, maybe we sell before the sunken cost gets even more sunken. And maybe it won't. Like, maybe Justin Fields will be a great quarterback. We'll have to decide whether or not to give him an extension, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But by year three, does the rookie wage scale incentivize you to take another quarterback? It incentivized the Jets to take another quarterback, another perpetually mediocre franchise, yes. But it did incentivize them to take another quarterback and move on from Sam Darnold. Correct decision or not, they were going to essentially decide between, do we want a two-year, $25 million quarterback as a stopgap, or do we want to pick our quarterback of the future? Jets pick quarterback of the future. Panthers passed on Justin Fields to take Sam Darnold two years, $25 million, the same way they just gave Teddy Bridgewater three years, $40-something million. So if you're the Bears, do you look... If I'm in the position of the Bears... Do I believe Justin Fields is going to be special? And I look up and say, can I get a first round pick right now for him? Because I might be willing to cut bait. If we're going to set him up for failure, I might be willing to cut bait and strike while the iron's hot. Does that mean we're going to walk away with 18 first round picks? Or not 18 first round picks, 18 draft picks in this year's draft? Maybe. 
And maybe that's how the team totally turns things around in year one with a bunch of young dudes and totally bare roster. No pun intended on that one. Maybe that's the game plan there. But these are like impossible evaluations, and this is why the rebuild was so hard and why I wanted to talk it out with you guys here is because I just don't know what to do with the Justin Fields situation because it's such a weird place to be in. The Bears are pretty clearly a bad team. So do you make it worse and bottom out over the next two seasons? Or do you say, okay, now we have the quarterback, we need to maximize his window while he's on the rookie wage scale, but then what if the quarterback is not good and we find ourselves having to restart three years from now and all of a sudden we're Pace and we're Nagy? Do we just speed up the process and take the value while it's at its highest? Because Sam Darnold ended up going for a second and a fourth. And that's probably the closest comp you can find to what Justin Fields' situation is right now. It's not a Josh Rosen situation where it's clearly bad. And Josh Rosen went for a second and a fifth as well. But if I'm only getting a second and a fifth for Justin Fields, I'm willing to bank on his potential even still and the fact that we haven't seen very much from him so far, which is just you know an unfortunate part of this business, which is you have to do small sample sizes, especially with the rookie wage scale. But if you believed in the quarterback and had a concrete plan, which there's no evidence to suggest the Bears have such a plan, their game plan is just how can we be the best team this year without having foresight to the future... Well, then I would look up and say, well, if that's the case, you keep trying with Trubisky. You keep trying with Fields, even when the evidence suggests immediately that they're not Herbert. That they're, you know, Herbert through 12 games, we know he's special. Or Kyler Murray through nine games, we know he's special. Tua through 13 games, well, we know he's never going to be Justin Herbert. But we can still figure it out later. And I'm not willing to bank on, like, Justin Fields, if you give him the success, is going to have a Josh Allen-type turnaround. I don't think that's exactly the case, but this is just me trying to rationalize the decision. So I would say, can I get a first-round pick right now for Justin Fields? Because if I can, and maybe get other picks, like the Steelers are going to throw in a wide receiver, might be tempted to do it. We have our 2023 first-round pick. It might not turn around immediately. We probably won't get the number one pick because we still have too much talent, especially if we're going to have 18 rookies in this year's class. We might have too much talent, which is a weird thing to think about. If you draft 18 players, some of them are going to have to be good. And so this is the difficult situation I look up at and say, okay, if 2023 is going to be about being terrible, do we cut bait on Justin Fields now and say we're going to be aggressively terrible? Because we're already doing a pretty projectable rebuild. And again, I was always talking this out. I threw these trades together earlier, of course. But as I was going through it, I'm like, okay, so if we time this out, Allen Robinson is gone. Cole Komet is gone. We need to trade Khalil Mack because that's what's going to jumpstart a rebuild. We can get a first-round pick and more for Roquan Smith, which is basically like having two Khalil Mack trades. So if we do both of those, at what point, why should we hold on to Eddie Jackson if we're going to trade both of our edge rushers? Or why should we hang on to Akeem Hicks if we're going to trade both of our edge rushers? And so those are just more value plays to add picks because if you're going to do a rebuild, you commit all the way to the teardown. And if we're going to commit all the way to the teardown, that might include Justin Fields, which is crazy to think about. He's only like five games into his career. 
but it was so weird that the Bears took him in the first place that we now walk away and say, eh, we kind of got to cut. If we if the price is right, we got to cut. We got to cut bait. We got to try again. Because Justin Fields doesn't look special at all so far. Again, small sample size. Team is setting him up to fail. But why does a new regime, if they don't exactly believe in Justin Fields, which again, I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be bad. I'm just saying I don't know and I have to make a decision with the information I have right now. And if we're going to set him up for failure next year, even if we bring in Todd Bowles, even if we bring in an innovative offensive coordinator who maybe changes up the offense and puts him in a better position to succeed, Darnell Mooney is still his wide receiver one. And maybe we draft someone in this year's draft with one of our picks, but even still, I don't think that person becomes Terry McLaurin. Hopefully they become Terry McLaurin immediately and it helps out Justin Fields, but even still... everyone talks about how you should always support the rookie quarterback. Well, at a certain point, do you want to take the risk on that player specifically, or are you just taking it because that's the person who's there? And all of this is impossible to answer because we don't have the evaluation on fields. But if you want to go into year three and say, okay, you've got 16 games to prove us right or wrong, because then we have to decide on an extension. That might be a difficult situation to, walk around or sell to Justin Fields in the first place so maybe we send him to Pittsburgh for first rounder and change who knows I didn't throw this trade up there because I want to leave this open-ended if you were to rebuild the Chicago Bears and that involved trades you couldn't refuse for Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith deals for David Montgomery who has pretty much carried the Bears offense for the last two years a mediocre offense It's not like, why would you trade David Montgomery? He has been carrying the Bears' offense. Yeah, the Bears' offense has been shit. But he's been carrying it. Makes them slightly less shit. (laughs) But even still, do you... If you know you're going to pivot that way and you're getting offers you can't refuse, like a first-rounder for Roquan Smith, a first and second for Khalil Mack, if you're getting those offers, do you tell Justin Fields, we're sorry, we made a mistake? Not that you're not good, but we just want to cut our losses at the risk of you not being good. We're going to say that first round pick last year, it's a sunk cost, but we're going to get back our first round pick for next year while we still have a chance. And maybe that fourth round pick that we traded. It's an impossible question with impossible answers, and I will leave this one up to you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. This is an interesting, like, what if Wednesday, but on Tuesday, actually. So, World Series kicks off tonight. We're going to talk with Razor Rosenthal on Wednesday, uh, and then we'll have other fun content popping in throughout the rest of this week. Just didn't feel like doing a World Series preview. If you want a World Series preview with 6,000 views on YouTube, check me out over on the Slump Buster. There's a link in the description to that episode as well. Uh, So if you want the World Series fixins before this kicks off or before we talk to Razor Rosenthal, check that out as well. Uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Check out our other archives. Download, leave a five-star review. Doesn't have to be a nice review. Just has to be a five-star review. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody. I hope you enjoyed this little thought experiment game. And uh, I know the Chicago Bears will never do this, but 
I would be interested to see what happens if they did, because the last time we did a major, major rebuild like this was the Carolina Panthers back in December of 2019. We did it for the Texans as well, but that was before the Deshaun Watson stuff that changed the calculus a bit, so I've kind of just scrubbed that one a little bit. But the last time we did a rebuild of this proportion was the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers proceeded to do everything the opposite of what we suggested. So maybe the Bears will do the same, but I would have I would be so interested to see what happened if the Bears cut bait on Justin Fields now. It would be so fascinating to see what happens, especially if like the Steelers would give up a first round pick. It'd be so fascinating to watch. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.